Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Let's Talk TV Live on the Blog Critics Radio Network. I always forget that tagline. Um, I'm your host, Barbara Barnett. I'm publisher and executive editor of Blog Critics, and I am joined tonight by Chrissy Piccolo. Hi, Chrissy. Hi, how are you doing? Good, and Jimmy um, tweeted me and said that he was sick. So that makes two oh, no. of the three of us that are under the weather. You can probably <laughs> oh tell from my voice, which I sound better than I did earlier today when we chatted. Um, yeah. But And I'm sitting here with my green ginger tea with honey. So. Oh, my gosh. I tell you, you're lucky that I have my voice because it could be all three of us. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know. And then we'd really uh, be in trouble, right? <laughs> truly. Oh, you know what? And it's like so weird. It's like six degrees right now here, but oh tomorrow the wind chill is going to be so severe. It's going to be like 35 to 45 degrees below zero wind chill. Oh, and my they have God. I know. And they have basically closed all the schools in the entire Chicago area, including the Chicago oh. public schools, which they never, ever close. Oh, my God. That's I know. I know. Insane, huh? So, um, yeah, so it's like I think I'm going to get a snow day tomorrow because if the regular schools, I teach a class afternoons after school, and the policy is if um, the public schools are closed, then um, this program is also closed in the afternoon after school program. So um, uh, I'm taking a snow day tomorrow. Yay. Yay. that's Yay. exciting show. I, and I, so, I like snow days. I wish we had them here more often. <laughs> yeah, you don't because the weather's kind of temperate in Seattle. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm really excited. I'm I am i am not gonna say when I'm coming because I don't want to broadcast that. But <laughs> um I am I'm gonna be it's like uh, it's like I realize how many people listen to this show and it's like uh, I don't want to say it. But um I, shortly uh shortly um I'll be uh, coming to pay a visit to Seattle, so I'm really excited. I love coming to Seattle. I come very often. Yeah, Yeah, we'll have to have we'll have to have breakfast at um, oh God, what's the name of that really cool um, uh, breakfast place? Um, right next to the um, Watertown Hotel, right in the University District. It's really oh, that's the place. Oh, I love that place. God, I can't. I don't know what the name of it is. I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's got like. But I know which one you're talking about. It has, like, all right. the really great pancakes and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, we, had, yeah. we had breakfast there before. So, yeah. yeah. So this is I kind of a place. weird time of the year in the television world. Um, it's hiatus time. You know, in the in the <laughs> olden days of three or four years ago, um, there wasn't this winter hiatus. There was a winter break, and you right. would have, you know – from like maybe the beginning of December to the beginning of January, you wouldn't have new episodes. And then in January, you would start new episodes. And Sleepy Hollow has started new episodes. But the way right. TV works now, it's like so weird. <coughs> the primetime shows from the fall are like all on hiatus until February or March. There's a bunch of new sort of limited series that are in there to plug in the gaps. So that the right. networks don't have to show reruns because who needs reruns when you have Netflix and Amazon and Hulu? Um, right. You don't really need the reruns. 
so um so they have all these like limited series like Gallivant is a limited series and uh, mm-hmm. Agent Carter is a limited series and kind of filling in this little six eight week little gap um, right there's a there's a uh, I, I can't remember what's sitting in um on AMC on Sunday nights now that Walking Dead and Talking Dead are I don't know, but I tell you, I really missed it on Sunday. <laughs> I missed I it. I mean, well, but you know what? Is. It was it was so cool because um, what was nice was you know the uh, AMC had this this marathon, so they started mm-hmm. it at the beginning, and um, what had happened was um, I went back to the beginning um, again because I had the way that I like to write about a show is I like to really kind of dig deep. So watching it once, watching it twice, watching it once, I just watched it, watching it twice for what I missed the first time around. Watching it a third time is kind of like to to really get to the heart of what I think the angles are. So uh, my third time around and my husband's second time around, he had missed some the second time around because he didn't watch the first time around. So the second time around, he kind of watched a few of them. And what I noticed, and my husband, who will like, he doesn't he doesn't watch a lot of. He watches the History Channel and Investigation Discovery, and that's kind of in the news, and that's kind of it. And um, movies, we'll watch movies. Right. Um, but he's not really big into series TV, and he doesn't like Once Upon a Time, and he's never been never watched it with me since like season two. So um, he started watching. Walking Dead with me the second time around and we got to like season two I think and he's like oh um could and he had to get up to get some coffee or something he's like oh could you pause it I was like <laughs> oh I, I love was, it I was like well I thought you were just indulging me here he's right. like well and then you know like we were watching more in season we're in season three and he's like oh wait can you rewind that why did he say that I'm like, oh yes. my god. Yes. So <laughs> I love it. So then, so we were watch we were watching um The Talking Dead. I had not seen The Talking Dead for Consumed, which is so far my favorite uh, episode of season 5. And um I had forgotten that I hadn't watched The Talking Dead. So I put on um I put on The Talking Dead and one of the guests was um Yvette Nicole um Yvette, Nicole, help me out here. Um, uh, I don't know what. Um, I, I, I can't remember. Yvette, Yvette Nicole Brown. Yvette, yeah, Yvette Nicole, Nicole Brown. Brown. She's at at YNB. That's her Twitter handle. And oh, okay. um, so anyway, so we're watching. I, my husband was watching it with me, mm-hmm. and he says to me, because she's she's got so she's like, okay, I've got all these notes here. And she says, and I always watch the show like three times before I come on to talk about it. And my husband looks at me and he says, whoa, you guys are like soul sisters. (laughs) (laughs) You have to talk to her because it's like, wow, she's like watching TV like you do. I've never seen anyone take notes on, on a TV show before you. And uh, so I'm like, so I want to interview her because I want to have like a girl talk with her yeah. um, and just kind of chit chat. 
even though it's not, yeah. even though I'm not, I'm not Chris Hardwick. I mean, you know, he's so cool. Well, I love you know him. me. I, I, I know. Remember, I suggested it earlier. I'm like, uh, I like him. I do, too, <laughs> and I love his show. I used to hate watching Daily Show and then Colbert Report, yeah. which is no longer. Um, Chris Hardwick, Tosh 2.0 came on after Colbert, and they took him off yeah. the air and um, put on Chris Hardwick. And I was like, oh, I really like this show. So I was really excited to see him. I mean, he's, of course, the nerdist. Um, that's his right. handle. And, I mean, he's got yeah. this whole industry of nerdiness, which is so cool. Anyway. He does. So anyway, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was really cool to watch The Walking Dead, like, back to back to back to back to back. Um, and, of course, the, the the marathon was on with all the commercials and stuff. And, of course, we were sort of already in season 3.5 when the marathon started, right. my husband and I, in our rewatch. And um, so I started watching the marathon, and he was like, so he sat down with me. He says, oh, I could watch this with you. So <laughs> he's like, okay, <laughs> this is like, he likes the show. My baby likes it. And it was so much fun, like, really. I mean, I think, you know, I've seen them all. I mean, I've watched them all as they come out, you know, obviously. I mean, I didn't watch the first two series because my brothers were bugging me. You're not watching it. I can't believe you're not watching The Walking Dead because, you know, they know me and everything. And so anyway, but then it's been, you know, season four and, of course, season five. It's just been, like, torture having to watch, you know, wait a week and (laughs) through the hiatus and everything. But it was really nice to actually watch the entire series, like, all week. I mean, I basically just had yeah. it on in the background or whatever, but yeah. I picked up so much more of paying attention and watching. I mean, I was tweeting yeah. a little bit and Instagramming a little bit, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't, I was actually, it was just nice to, like, be relaxed enough to just yeah. be able to concentrate and rewatch it. And they go, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that, you know, and it was, and the one that, of course, my well, of course, I told you last season my favorite episode was uh, was the one with, um, of course, Daryl and Beth when you know. Oh, still. When he took her to get drunk on moonshine. And I thought that was such a cool episode. And, oh I, my god! I, I loved loved it. Yeah, oh, and you know what? God. If you get the DVDs, because of course the obsessed person I am, I had to get the DVDs. <laughs> Um, right. the, the, he does a commentary for that episode on the season four oh. DVD with um, Allison Kang, who wrote the wrote the episode. So it's really kind of cool to kind of. I love watching the commentaries as a writer myself and as a as a TV critic or as a TV commentator. I guess. Um, right. I really enjoy listening to what was in the head of the producer or the particularly the writers and the actors, because they're right. really what makes the characters. And it was actually kind of interesting watching that. And so I went back, and I was watching the commentaries, listening to the commentaries, going back, and I was watching season two commentaries. And I can't remember what episode it was for. Um, I think it was pretty much dead already, which was the one where um, they reveal Sophia coming out of the barn, and it's kind of the end oh, of that yeah, yeah, yeah. that long arc. That was, that and was one of the things crazy. that Gail Ann heard, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the the showrunners at the time um, said, I think it was Frank Darabont and I think uh, Robert um, Kirkman were doing the commentary. Yeah. 
And one of the things I said is something that I've actually said. I did a an article on season two, kind of looking deeply into season. It was the first article I did on The Walking Dead that wasn't like a straight-on episode review. And right. um, what I said was um, I really understand how people watching the show week to week to week during season two might think that it moved really slowly and that they were focusing so much on this search for Sophia. But what they said was, and this is what exactly what I said, this was my observation, is once you go back and you know what's going to happen and the arc, and you go back and you watch them, or if you have the opportunity, if you hadn't seen them, and now you, okay, you can watch them back to back to back to back, um, you actually, it actually moves much quicker. So there's yeah, not this big long. Yeah. So it's, you it's can see what's going to happen. Like, yeah. Well, and, it, thing, and that's why I think I liked it better too, because you, it's true. It's just, and, and seeing it all together like that, it's just, exactly. it flows better. And yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean by that. And I, and I, that's true of a lot of serialized television, especially television mm. that's written almost, I mean, this is, you know, obviously there's the graphic novel, but this, the series is written almost like a novel. And yeah. it's like reading a chapter in a book, in a novel, and you have to put it away for a week. It's like, right. I'm really impatient. I don't want to put it away well, for a week. So this, well, I feel I, really excited that, that in a way, even though I missed like, for three and a half years of this show until I found uh-huh. it. Um, I feel really excited that I was able to go from episode one to episode, you know, season five, yeah. episode uh, eight, straight through. Although I yeah. started watching it, I started watching it weekly, um, I think consumed. So consumed, crossed, and coda. Um were the ones that I had to wait a week between. But um, so I kind of like watching it like that. So anyway, what I did over the hiatus, I did a lot of writing over the hiatus. Um, and one of the things I did, and I, we're going to talk about a couple of things that I put together. Um, I want to talk about Gallivant. Um, I want to talk about Once Upon a Time. And okay. I want to, oh, this wasn't the article I wanted. Um, shoot. Uh, oh, I do want to mention, um, those of you who are in the Chicago area, um, Walker Stalker Con is coming to Chicago in it's February 21st and 22nd um, at our incredibly beautiful Navy Pier, which is one of the most beautiful settings in the entire Chicago area. It is a jetty. It's an old Navy Pier. It's a Navy, so there used to be a submarines there, and it was. it's a big pier. Um, and there are big ships there. Um, and the pier juts like a mile out into the lake. And um, it's beautiful. And there's a big um, carousel, um, Ferris wheel, a big Ferris wheel, huge Ferris wheel um, that's really cool uh, with a huge vantage. And it's just beautiful old architecture and just a beautiful little shopping area like Pike's Market sort of. Oh, um, cool. But it's a really cool setting. And can be really spooky. I've been to a few parties at Navy Pier, and they're really cool. 
Um, we used to have our big Chicago Fest in the olden days with that Navy Pier, which was kind of cool. And then it outgrew the space. But it's it's kind of nice. So a lot of people are coming to this, a lot of the cast, including... Which including, I'm very jealous. Hmm? <laughs> I said I'm jealous. I wish I was going to be there. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going or not. I'm waiting to hear about press credentials. Um, right. But... There, the people that are going to be there include David Morrissey, the governor, right? I'm vamping here because I need to get my list out. Melissa McBride, Denai uh-huh. Gurira, Michonne. Um, cool. So let's see, I've got her. the whole list here. I've got the entire list here. Hang on. So we have Melissa McBride. This keeps moving. Melissa McBride, Denai Gurira. David Morrissey, the governor, Chandler Riggs, Carl, who plays Carl, um, Glenn, Stephen Yun, um, Beth, uh, Emily Kinney, Emily Kinney, who plays Beth, um, Irene Singleton, T-Dog, both Abraham and Eugene and Rosita are going to be there, Michael Cudlitz, Christiane Serratos, and Josh McDermott, um, Alana Masterson, who plays Tara, Lawrence Gilliard Jr., the late Bob Stuckey, Jeff Kober, Joe of the Claimer, Equa wow. Martin Green, oh Sasha, Tyrese, Chad oh. Coleman, um, Jackie, Gerald Prescott. Um, oh my God. Like yeah, everybody's going to be there. That's so awesome. The only ones, they, they're still trying to confirm more. So I don't know if, like, Andrew Lincoln, um, Scott Wilson, uh, 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 Norman Reedus, any of those guys are going to come to our fair city. Yeah, but there's quite a few, man. I'd go if I lived there, I'd be there. Yeah, so that's going to be kind of fun. Yeah, um, and it's it's kind of cool. And what's nice about it, I got a comic. Well, we went to Comic-Con this past summer, and the difference between something like this and Comic-Con is, A, it's much, much smaller. And it yeah. really is a, a fan convention. Um, and there are panels and stuff like that. And it's very much the, the just, you know, very focused on the zombie life. And, uh, right. So, um, so that's kind of cool. So one of the things I posted um, over the week, over the, um, and I'm looking for the article, and now I'm like, oh, where is it? Is it? Where are you? Um, <laughs> is um, I posted um, a piece um, on my favorite moments of The Walking Dead in 2014. So that kind of straddles both um, the um, post, uh, sorry, it straddles the end of season four and the beginning of season five. So, um, which is kind of nice. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's like, okay, what if season, the end of season four, did I like what if end of season five? And some people kind of criticized me a little bit. It's like, well, she's such a Daryl fan. But, well, am, you know, I totally, oh, oh, I got to tell you. So, so um, oh, I have to read this to you because I did this Christmas Eve even though I do not celebrate Christmas. Um, right. I did this Christmas Eve, and this is called The Nightmare Before Christmas, The Walking Dead Style. Do you want to hear it? 
Yes, definitely. <laughs> Twas the nightmare before Christmas, and the campfire unfurled. Not a creature was stirring, neither zombie nor squirrel. The rifles were hung on a branch with such care, and the crossbow lay close in case a walker would dare. The children were nestled all snug as they might, prepared just in case they had to take flight. Michonne with her sword sitting ready in her lap, while Carl Judith and Father Gabriel took a quick, restless nap. When far in the distance there arose such a clatter, Rick sprang from his bedroll to see what was the matter. Away to the forest he flew like a flash, hoping at least this night they must may be spared from a walker clash. The moon on the breast of some new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to Rick's wondering eyes should appear but a miniature truck pulled by eight tiny deer. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Carl, now Judith, now Rick and Carol, now Maggie and Glenn, now Michonne and now Daryl, to the top of the trees, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. And there stood dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. Herschel, cried Rick, so happy he could scream. But he'd had these before, alas, was only a dream. But he seemed so real, his dimples how merry, his cheeks like Cherokee roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was white as the snow. A snap of a branch, and Daryl was ready, his crossbow poised, steady. So much for Christmas, he growled, dousing the fire just as a new herd of walkers appeared just outside the wire. Oh, my God. That is so cute. I love it. <laughs> so I had a sort of... Herschel, I miss him. Oh, my God. It was but so funny, You know what? The picture, the picture I posted of it was, like, totally Herschel as Santa Claus. Oh, my God. That is too funny. Well, you know, I tell you... I had totally forgotten that Rick and Herschel were, like, practically sworn enemies in the beginning. I mean, he was so angry that they, you know, brought everything to his farm. And and then how they ended up, it, you know, they kind of did a whole 180 and, uh, you know, he helped, you know, they helped each other and stuff. And then, oh, when he died, I still can't believe that they they had the governor decapitate him. That was just the worst. That was Wow, yeah. Oh, I just, oh my God, and I really, I miss him, you know, he was such an, um, in, I don't know, he was just such a, uh, I like that he was older, first of all, sort of, you know, older generation, and he, he, right. I don't know, he had, he, he had, he had survived so much that, you know, to see him just decapitated like that, oh God, it was heartbreaking. You know, I was that was really heartbreaking. So do you want to hear? And then, yeah. So do you want to hear my moments, my top moments of 2014? Yes, yes. And then I want to go to my Once Upon a Time 2015 wish list. Okay. So we're going to go one one to the other. Moment one: Judith is alive, and so is Carol. So after Rick, of course, found Judith's carrier at the end of Too Far Gone, Mm -hmm. what happens is, of course, um, we know that that Judith. Right, so we have Tyrese and Carol kind of coming together and, um, um, you know, and, and, and getting together. And I thought that was really cool. And I loved um, what I also said was, um, as long as we're on inmates, 
And I really love that. One of the things I love even more about this pairing that she is with Tyrese is the one person, if he'd known that she'd killed Karen back in the early days of the flu, would have every reason to see her dead. And I love Carol's initial reaction to finding Tyrese. Of course she has yeah. um, has the idea. Has to, of course she has known the idea that he's clueless about Karen's murder, but she doesn't know that. I mean, she doesn't, you know, right. she has no idea. Right. I love the bond they form in subsequent episodes. It's an unlikely pairing of comrades, and it works just beautifully. Um, as long as we're on inmates, I have to say a word about the other unlikely pairing in the prison, Daryl and Beth. Daryl has crawled completely yes. into himself. Already introspective and reticent, Daryl is almost catatonic by inmates. The pairing him with the gregarious Beth, who has her own way of dealing with Herschel's death, makes for an interesting mix. Daryl is like one of those shell-shocked soldiers wandering the battlefield of the prey or the sum during World War One. There is nothing left to him but pure instinct. And, well, but yeah, that and Beth- the other thing, sorry, real quick, I was just going to say, another thing that I liked is when, um, you know, the fact that Beth, you know, when they were doing that drinking game, she Wait, was that's coming. Of asking him. That's coming. That's that coming. That's coming. Okay, go ahead. That's not that's that episode. That's that's I not know, in that episode. Know, so hang on. All right, all right, all right. I'll be going. Um, Beth, go Beth needs to do something. So, you know, Daryl has lost all hope. She needs to do something. Um, and of course, in that episode two, we also have the introduction of Abraham and Eugene and his mullet. Right. Um, the mullet is a whole separate character in my it's eyes. It's a whole separate character. It really is. <laughs> so moment number two was the foreshadowy introduction of Joe and his marauders in Claimed. Oh, yeah. Where we, you know, we have Michonne and Rick and Carl. And by the way, I totally shit Michonne and Rick. Me too. Thank you. I'm so glad that you said that because I kept thinking, oh, my God, you know, and especially rewatching, you know, how they, well, they were at odds, too, at the beginning. He didn't even want to keep her, and then it was because of that scene with, between uh, her and Carl, and then Carl's, like, you know, approved, and so. But I think they would actually be very interesting together. I think oh, very much. Perfect. And they all, they have such good chemistry together. Yeah. And I love the relationship that Michonne has with um, Carl. Yeah, me too. You know, Adorable. and getting the comic books back in, you know, when they were still at the prison. And yeah. It was really kind of cool. But that was the episode that we sort of, you know, in this semi-sunlit room, we see Joe. Um, You know, it was like, oh, that was kind of cool. It wasn't like a big moment, but I thought it was kind of a cool little thing. And that's one of the things I really love about this show is that they will drop a thread somewhere. You know, it could be in season mm-hmm. one, it could be in season two, right. in season three, and they don't pick it up again for another season. And it's like, right. oh, huh. And then you're like, wait a minute, oh, that's right. And then you go back and look at it, and you're like, oh, that's right. I, this and this and this. I know, and, and I how, like that they do that. Cause it right. and, that they all, too. right. and that's how that all fits together. Right. See, and Once Upon a Time used to do that. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, um, they used to do that. Yeah. I like used to. Yeah, I mean, House House <laughs> used to do that. House, you, you did it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I said, moment number three was sullen Daryl and still. And what I said was, there's much to love about the entire episode from the sense that Daryl feels completely back to square one, not just pre-prison, 
but in his entire life, sitting in a trailer trash shack, much like the one in which he was raised. And I use that word advisedly. It's as if nothing he's done, all the growth of his character, his independence, the emerging of his innate intelligence and leadership qualities has meant nothing. I think back to his return to the prison during season three and Carol welcoming him home. He looks around at the meager surroundings and chuckles as if to remark sarcastically, yup, step up here from the wilds, ain't it? But this is different. (laughs) This return is a reminder of the hell in which he came up, and there he is back again. I love when Beth reminds him that he's come far from that existence, even when he at first disagrees. In fact, I love the entire porch conversation. But if I had to pick out one moment, the one that really stands out in my mind, it is the metaphorical cremation of the man Daryl had been through the physical burning pyre of the shack. It is a beautiful moment. It is followed closely by the mesmerizing performance of the always surprising Ritas when Daryl finally breaks down, confessing the guilt he feels for the prison, not doing enough who could have done more to save them all. It's a burden he'd been wearing on his shoulders, eating away from him from the moment they take him from the road. And there's that payoff. And, you know, the thing is, too, is I, I find it very interesting that Beth was able to get it out of him. You know, he was not wanting to feel it, to deal with it, to, you know, say it out loud. And that's what was so great about that little friendship that they had. And that, I right. just, I don't know, he, he's going to really take, I can't, oh, my God, he's going to really go off the, I don't know how he's going to deal with it. Oh, yet, with Beth's death? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I'm just not even... It's going to be a, a tissue night for sure, I'm, I'm sure. I totally so, think that. You know, I mean, he finally let himself be seen almost, you know what I mean? His, yeah. his inner feelings, and, and it's tough for a guy like him to do that. And so then, you know, to know he was going to be the hero and, and he's going to get that, and then it just, you know, all fell apart, it's going to be... Oh my God! Well, it's, it's really thing. it's really interesting, and and watching um, watching so, season two and the the Sophia search when he failed yeah. at that when he failed to yeah. find Sophia, what was his initial reaction? Was to completely withdraw. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I tried this. And okay, I tried this. I tried to be part of things. I tried to take responsibility. I tried to do something to help people, and I failed miserably. Right. And I'm just not going to go there because it's too – and he wouldn't say this, but what's yeah. inside his head is it's far too painful to do this. Yeah, it is. And that's the thing. But, you know, that's what relationships are. Um, when you have relationships, no matter how, you know, whether it's a friendship or whatever, and in this instance, that group has become so close-knit because they've all gone through so much and they've had each other's backs. I think, you know, the fact that he couldn't do anything or he just felt like it was so out of his control, you know, it's easier to almost detach from people emotionally than put it all in there, you know, because the pain of it when, you know, things go wrong, like with death, um, it's going to be that much harder. But that's why the show is so wonderful because it, it deals right. with that humanity, you know, and really right. those right. emotions and what each character, and from each character's point of view, because each character obviously comes from different origins, um, right. even though they all might have, you know, a similar 
thing, how, you know, they're all in it together, sort of, whatever it is that's going on. Each one sees it, has their own perceptions, and, and it affects everybody differently. Um, but I think as far as, like, Daryl, he's, he's just, he's way more emotionally scarred than I think a lot of them are. I mean, I think, Oh, than any know, of them. Oh, I mean, yeah, this is I a mean, guy who was, he was probably emotionally abused by both parents, physically abused. By his father, and Definitely. probably emotionally abused by Merle. I doubt. Da- I don't oh, yeah. think he was physically abused by Merle. And when no, you think about he, the fact that that he's Merle, a little brother, right? You know, and, and, and the other, well, yeah, a lot the other of stuff comes is, out. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I was just going to so, say the other thing. <laughs> I was just going to say the other thing is that even though Carl has not, Carl was really young when the zombie apocalypse occurred, and he's had to endure and deal with a whole bunch of, you know, horrible things in his life, including killing, having to kill his own mother um, and all of that. But it's just his pain is a lot different than somebody like Daryl. Right. You know, oh, definitely. childhood is way different. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you know, it's really telling in when he tells the story to Carl after he has to kill uh, Lori. Um, when he tells mm-hmm. the story about when he was a kid and his house burned down, and you know mm-hmm. he was saying, "Oh, you know," and, and there's just like these little nuggets, like, you know, I was playing with the neighborhood kids. I could do that when Merle wasn't there, because Merle right. was away in juvie, and I could. So when Merle was away, he could actually be a kid. Yeah, but when Merle exactly. was there, he was either too intimidated. So his he's a really beaten down character in a lot of ways, and um, he's really found himself. He's a very smart man, um, right? He's re- really smart and very very observant. He's which probably is what makes him such a great hunter, is uh, and tracker is he he sees everything. He nothing nothing passes him by, and that's what I really yeah. I really love that about Daryl. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I another episode I picked, and it was another Daryl episode. I was alone with the with the Marauders, but I picked that because um, you can really see the old Daryl. You know, the Daryl that would be hanging out with Merle would have uh-huh. totally fit in with these. He would have been intimidated by them, maybe, but he would have totally fit in with these guys. He would have had no problem with what they were doing, but. The right. Daryl that's with these guys now, they're, they're so far from what he's become. Right. You know, in so, many, in so many ways, Daryl is, is definitely one of the moral centers of the group. I agree. So you then know, my moment... Okay, <sighs> so moment number five is the Grove. Mm-hmm. Just the whole oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole it's like thing. the whole yeah. thing. Um, and it, in a, what I said is, in a series so bleak comes a moment that counts among the bleakest. Carol, now traveling with Tyrese, Lizzie, and Mika, and Judith, finds herself once again in a position. By the way, people want to read the whole article, or any of the articles, Chrissy's articles on various things, my articles, Jimmy's articles, come to blogcritics.org and look us up. Yeah. Like us on Twitter, okay. like us. Like us at, at Blog Critics on Twitter and come to our Facebook page, but come to our site blogcritics.org dot org and uh, and you know and and read our coverage. Um, 
So, okay, so, so the Grove, sorry, okay, the Grove. Um, there, you know, when she murders Karen and David during the prison epidemic, oh. there's a question morality at play. Is preemptive mm-hmm. murder justified to prevent a potential greater loss of life? And for her action, she's banished. But here, she is once again confronted with a terrible choice. The increasingly psychotic Lizzie has already murdered Mika, and surely will do the same to Judith, if not all of them, believing that coming back is a positive change. In this case, the decision has a clearer moral ground, but is no less and possibly far more horrifying a choice to make. Carol had promised the girl's father that she would look after them, and here not only has she failed Mika, but now must murder her sister to prevent even more carnage. Even more poignant is Carol's confession to Tyrese about killing Karen and his acceptance of it. But no matter the acceptance, the acts have become a terrible burden for Carol to endure, and even into season five has not lifted. And then moment, moment six is Rick channeling his inner walker in A, where he takes oh, yes. the, right, oh, takes the bite. I love that. That was so shocking. I mean, all I can say, when I saw that, my mouth just like complete. I was like, what did he just? I could not believe that he actually did that. And but then it kind of, you know, okay, you're in this, this, this is, this is sort of the world that you're in. How far do you go? And exactly. He, he went all the way on that. Oh my God, it was crazy. So what uh, I said was, who would have expected that? Geez, yeah, Rick nobody. tearing out Joe's neck like he was a walker. I'm not sure what else he could have done, but that was pretty damn shocking. With Carl on the verge of being raped. Daryl being yeah. beaten to death and Michonne trapped, Rick's uber father genes kick in and just he just rips out Evil Joe's neck. What an ignominious and deserved death. But what does uh. that action do to Rick as we see him the next morning, literally shaking at the horror of what he's done and considering what had been what had been done to Carl if he'd not acted. The follow up scene between Daryl and Rick is almost perfect with Daryl confessing his shame at having cooked up with the claimers and Rick understanding the why. At the same time, Daryl offering Rick absolution for what he'd done is small comfort but a powerful moment. Um, and then moment seven is the escape from Terminus. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. And I was, was like, epic. I was Daryl, saying the entire the entire storyline reminded me of the old Twilight Zone episode to serve man. Oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> Oh, my God, it's really good. Um, and I love the moment, especially when Carol is reunited with the group. Yeah, That's, that was, it's, let me tell you, she, I will, I mean, she is my hero. I, I still, when I think about what she accomplished, and she was smart about it, too. I mean, yeah. you know, she knew she needed to infiltrate. What's the best way? Go as a freaking zombie, you know? And it was just, it was fantastic. I, and you know, let me just say, she could have just turned her back. She really could have. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rick shunned her from the group after yep. the whole burning incident. And, you know, even though everybody doesn't know what was going on with that, she could have just, like, said, screw that. You know, screw them. I don't care. Right. But that's not who she is. And I think, I, I love the... It's just been the, the overall development of Carol from the moment that we met her to now. It's just been, I mean, I, I'd love to see see that development and the layers and, and all of, and her dealing with all of her stuff that she had to deal with. 
The other scene oh, I, yeah. I wanted, yeah, the other scene I wanted to mention really quickly was just when, um, well, when her husband dies and she takes the axe from Daryl and she's just like, no, let me do it, I, you know, and she beat the crap out of that guy, you know, taking out all the frustrations on all the years of abuse that she put up with. So I thought it was, it, it's just, it's been, it's been wonderful to see her um, progress. And yes, I, I loved that rescue. Yeah, it was I, epic. I really, it was great. It was, it was epic. And then Bob's capture by Gareth at the end of Strangers. Oh my god, yeah. I what okay. I said was yikes. There are a few words to describe this horrific first-hand evidence of the terminus gang's cannibalism. To take Bob's leg and keep him alive in an agony while quipping about his taste. Jeez, anyone put some fava <laughs> beans with it? Certainly, he had been around during the. T- certainly, had he been around at the time of the zombie apocalypse, uh, Hannibal Lecter would have found a home at Terminus. But of course, his current home is on NBC and played by the marvelous Mad. But I digress. Of course, Bob doles out the cannibals' just desserts and gets the last macabre laugh when he declares in four walls and a roof that he'd been bit and his meat, tasty though it may be, is tainted. Um, my moment 10 was Abraham's tragic backstory in self-help and Eugene's confession. Oh, yeah. And you know, oh, what God. that means. That was... Well, the funny thing is, like, you know, I don't read the comics, so I had no idea that was coming at all. Like, it never even entered my mind that he was lying. And then when he says he's lying, no, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? You should have heard me on Twitter. I was just, like, freaking out. And, you know, those that are, like, diehard watching, you know, reading the comics and stuff, they knew it was coming, but I had no clue. And and you know what, though? It's, it's got to be, it's really, I mean, as stupid as we all look at Eugene as being, it's pretty brilliant. I mean, the idea that he survived, yeah. he lied, you know? Yeah. And, you know, mullet, mullet, mullet head aside, you gotta, you got to look at yeah. that and say, okay, well, he's not an idiot, you know? He knows That's how true. to survive that his way of surviving his life. <laughs> so Katie Dalton has entered the uh, chat room. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. So um, we're going to see. She she must have heard uh, me say something about Hannibal. <laughs> oh, I know. When is that? That's coming back in March, right? It's coming back in March, and I can't wait to publish oh, all my fun interviews I did with the Hannibal cast. Um, back oh, at Comic-Con. Man. I'm really excited right. to do that. And I've been holding back and holding back and holding back. So um, I'm really excited to be doing uh-huh. She says, Katie says, I'm kind of liking the idea of a Walking Dead Hannibal crossover. That could be cute. I could like that. Yeah, I could too. That would I be like epic. it. Can you imagine? <laughs> actually, you know, know, the funny though. thing, Hannibal, it actually is like a living zombie. Because what no, do the zombies do in The Walking Dead? He, they eat people. Although, although he's only he's he makes quite it look gourmet. dummy. He's the gourmet, so he yeah. would be an interesting zombie. He would be a very oso proper zombie. Did you, um, did you happen to ask them who, who makes all the food? Because it all looks so wonderful. Yeah, I did. Stuff, right? I, I did, and I can't remember. It was all the way back in July. Um, yeah, they, we okay. did, it, it did talk about the food, um, and it is, and it's all wonderful, and um, I, yeah, you guys are all going to have to wait until March when I 
uh, do the videos of the interviews. Um, but I interviewed Brian Fuller and um, a whole bunch of the cast, and it was lots of fun to do that. And um, that was, by the way, that was like the most fun press room, I think, of the entire Comic-Con because it was like it was the last press room of the day. So it was like it was supposed to be from 6.30 to 7.30. Right. And they actually had food. You know, they had all this great food. They had a real nice spread and um, very gourmet-ish and wine. And um, so we didn't get out of there till like 8.15 because every, it was like everyone's last thing of the day. And the cast yeah. and people were just like hanging out with us. It was like so That's funny. So cool. And then they showed up at the NBC party, which you and I both went to. So that was fun. Yeah, um, that was fun actually. I, yeah. I actually had a good time. So, um, so I'm working on a couple of new articles, uh, Walking Dead articles that I'm going to post in the time between now and the uh, season five B premiere or season five point five premiere. Um, and one is going to be Walking Dead favorite episodes each season with a poll. And one mm-hmm. will be, I'm going to be doing like the the characters who are left over, um, people who were like the original survivor group, so that are still alive. That would be Rick, Carl, Daryl, Carol, and Glenn. So it's I think that's the five characters that are still alive from the original group. And I'm gonna do a I had meant I had started to do an article that was like all of them in one article. It was getting way too long. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm gonna do one for each. I, I still haven't decided. But I've wanted to do like an an uh, an arc uh like, you know, character arc articles. So um look for those and then a sort of like favorite favorite article, favorite episode, um, and polls and stuff. So I'm going to be working on those. Um, so I want to segue to Once Upon a Time a little bit. Oh, yeah. Okay. <coughs> and um, show returns in March. And um, I needed a sip of my tea because my voice is beginning to go. I know. Um, anyway, so... Um, I want to talk about Once Upon a Time, and what I did over the over New Year's was publish a wish list for season five. And if you want to read the whole article, it's at blogcritics.org, um, and it's right there. So, so I, you know, I've been really critical of the show this season, as you know. Yeah. Um, there have yeah. been a lot of reasons, and I've tried to engage the producers of the show about it. And um, it's been really difficult to do that. So um, for different reasons, for different people of the show, um, I'm not going to say any names. But um, um, so I wanted to, this is what I said, and and I'm kind of jumping into the middle of the article. Um, As much as I may have criticized the show this season, I'm completely convincible Ready and waiting. I want to love this show again the way I did back in seasons one, two, and the first half of three. Eagerly anticipating each episode and excited to tell my readers the treat they'd be in for come Sunday night. So my wish for season 4.5 
is to see a return to a focus of the core characters on the on the core characters. Although I'm not crazy about the forthcoming appearance of Ms. Cruella DeVille, especially because she's not out of the mm. legend. She's she's like strictly Disney. Well, not I mean like the way she's being presented. I I realize that that 101 Dalmatians is a storybook. Um, the presence right. of three female Disney-esque villains working in tandem with the master sorcerer without his powers, Rumpelstiltskin, is intriguing. I'd like the villainesses, however, to be icing, no pun intended, uh, icing, <laughs> pun intended, and not the entire cake. And I look forward to seeing a possible head-to-head confrontation between these badass ladies and the storybook badasses, Emma and Regina. Wouldn't it be nice to witness the spit and spice of the Enchanted Forest Snow White appear, uh, reappear as they battle the bad guys? I also hope to see more backstory on Rumpel's turn away from his promises both to Balefire and to Belle. I know we're supposed to read between the sparse lines to assume that Rumpel had been altered by his confinement by the Wicked Witch of the West, but to me that requires an awful lot of fan-wanking. I'd really like to see something in his point of view to let us get a little more inside his head. I'd love to see more mm. of Archie, which hopefully Cruella's presence will bring. Will bring his dog is after all, Pongo. I'd like to see Grumpy, the Blue Fairy, and the long lost Doctor Whale and Red. I'd love to see the writers mind Charming's flaws, give him more of an edge, and Belle get something other to do than to tend her books and make an occasional guest appearance as Rumpel's wife and Baby Neil's babysitter. And I know I'll be pilloried for this, but a little less hook the hero, please. Like Rumpel, his story has been revised to the point of unrecognizability. This is the same guy, after all, who had, before Rumpel had become the Dark One, humiliated a disabled, weaker man, stolen his wife Mila, and then left to raise their son alone. Wow, what a nice misunderstood guy. Yeah, love has redeemed him, I get it. But his journey is a sloppy narrative mess. Yeah, I get it. He's hot, despite the guyliner. And Emma's main <laughs> squeeze. But their storyline is so on the nose and predictable, I long for a bit more of the bad. So fingers crossed, I'm skeptical but hopeful. I'll be writing about Once Upon a Time once it returns from hiatus in March, so say stay tuned. So that's kind of what I I had to say about Once Upon a Time um, and what I'd like to see. So what do you well, think? I, what are you I, thinking? Well, I mean, <coughs> you know, I agree with, I don't know, for me, I just really, I agree with the whole um, uh, Belle. I mean, Belle, they need to, like, develop that character for God's sake. Let's give her some, you know, let's really make her an integral part of the of the core um, cast. She's sort of been a here and there sidekick. Um, you know, yeah, she's great. We know she's great with reading and research and life and all that. But I, I'm really kind of hoping, and I, even as much as I'm a Rum Bell fan, I really do hope that, <clears throat> you know, we see a, a stronger side of her now that, you know, she basically let Rumpel go. Um, after being lied to and everything. And the main thing that I really w- want to see is a return to some kind of, you know, deep layering of the character of Rumpel. I mean, 
Yeah. I, and and I just I don't understand. I mean, I guess he is going to be the villain, so I guess I just need to like deal with it. I mean, I'm happy to see Robert in anything. He's wonderful no matter what he does. But it's right. just that it just made it that much more interesting to to kind of let you know you, you like to when we watch these shows. It's not just for entertainment value. I mean, as far as for me, I like to really get into them and dissect them. And okay, why are they? You know, what are their motives? What do we do? You know, this and that. And right. I think that um, not making, you know, making his character so one-dimensional after having mm-hmm. such a multi-dimensional character for three and a half seasons, it's just sad, you know. And it's, um, and I just think that, yeah, while it's fun probably for Robert to just play straight out evil, I just think it makes it more interesting, I think. And I totally, you know, now, see, if they had cast him as a villain – strictly a villain right. from the start. I would get it. Yeah. But they gave him this really beautiful redemptive arc. Right. And um, no, they didn't turn him into a good guy. He's still got that dark edge and he, he's constantly right. battling it. That's that internal battle. Right. But what's happened in season, five, in season four is we haven't seen any of that con- internal conflict. So I think right. that's really if they if they can give us some of that I can I can yeah. wrap my head around it better and I think that's been one of the issues and I think you know the same and and on the other hand Hook you know it's like what redemption <laughs> like, was way too quickly I mean the way they did it was just so quick and you know it, I mean obviously they know that they have a huge fan base and and you know me i like them together but i would like him to have a little more struggle as well and um uh, you know it would just it would just be and please for god's sake no and charming you know when i think about that very first pilot episode with you know charming racing across you know snow white and, you know, giving the kiss. And just the whole thing, they were supposed to be the core element of the show. And they I know. were relegated to the to the background. And I really, I mean, come on. I, like I said before, I mean, I loved that we got to see, you know, pre-Charming. Uh, you know, we got to see David uh, before he ended up being a prince and all of that, um, in, in that whole storyline. And we need more layers. I, you know, he's a yes. I mean, the guy is good. He's a good guy, but he also we need to see some real development. Yeah. There's been no character yeah. development. I mean, but, if you, know, you look at, show. if you look at, I'm because I'm like mm-hmm. into The Walking Dead these days. Um, yeah. If you haven't noticed, I, know. <coughs> I don't if know. You, if you Are kind you? of compare and contrast a little bit, um, and you see. Okay, I'm going to bring Gallivant into the conversation. Oh, yeah. Because even though Once Upon a Time isn't a comedy, the characters seem to be written with about as much depth as the Gallivant yes. characters, which which don't need to be deep because it's a it would They don't need to be deep because it's a comedy. Okay. Although right. that's one of my criticisms about Gallivant is that everything seems really rushed because you have to get to the next song. And there's no yeah. sense of character development at all. And and it, But it's a comedy, so you don't necessarily have to have that. So the characters aren't really deep. 
Um, but the Once Upon a Time characters, there's no excuse for right. not giving them that because it's a drama. And it's, it's a, a drama serialized and it's drama. An hour, yeah, and it's an hour-long show. You're giving, you're, they're giving us 42 minutes every single week. Now, and Walking so, Dead... Walking Dead also has a large ensemble, right? It's a big, big cast. And I think you get the sense, even even a character, even a completely bad guy character, like the governor in right. season three and season four, mm-hmm. you got a sense of who this guy was. Right. And every like single character. The time to develop the character. Right. It's and every single character on The Walking Dead which is also a fantasy. It's a dystopic fantasy. Mm-hmm. But you, at every, you know, it's a genre show, but it's not really a genre show, you know? And I think right. at its best, Once Upon a Time was a genre show that really wasn't a genre show. Um, but every single one of the characters has um, a certain amount of, of depth. And you know who they are, you know, and, and they're right. consistent. You know, you could say that not all the characters have always been so great. I mean, I've never been a fan of, and I, I'm actually, uh, you know, I think Lori Holden is a great actress, a, gr- a very good actress, but I've never liked Andrea. You didn't like Andrea? No. I, liked her. I, I didn't. Liked her. I, I didn't like her when she was like latching on to the governor and that whole thing. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. And Michonne is she like, like, wait a minute, you know, what the hell are you doing? We need to get the hell out of here. And she, she lost her, and she, she lost brain cells. I mean, she really yeah, did. This is a person who's supposed I mean, to be an attorney, right? She's supposed to be a lawyer. Right. You would think she was smart. Well, yeah, and she was in the beginning. I mean, you know, and everything that she, mm-hmm. and the whole thing, and I love the relationship, you know, with Dale and, you know, the whole, the whole in the beginning yeah. where she was so angry at him for, you know, not letting her commit suicide. Right. Basically, I, I, liked, and all that. I liked Andrea season that one part. and season two. Yeah, I did not. Three, she she really became. Fell, I don't know what she thought. She kind of became whiny and, yeah. like, stupid. She became so dumb. Especially, especially when Rick, Rick and the governor are having that meeting and she they kick her out of the room. And I'm like, okay, and she's sitting there pouting. They kick me out. I don't know what's going on. I mean, what does she think? The guy is a exactly. weapon. He's got his daughter, zombie daughter, locked up, for God's sake. He's a, he's a, <laughs> I know. You know. I just, you know, it just boggled my mind that she was, that stupid, and I'm sorry, I mean, you know, oh, well, maybe she was fell in love with him. I'm sorry, but she had, in this world, and prior to to governor and getting there and everything, she had she she didn't have her blinders on, but she, it's like she got there and her blinders were on. It was like, what the hell's going on? I know, on? it's Where so weird. Go? It's, it's crazy. so weird. It's I love crazy. Michonne. I love Michonne. She should have well, gone I with Michonne. I love her. She's fab. You know, the actress? Denai Gurira. Yes. She's Denai, actually, yeah. She's actually a um a noted um playwright. Oh wow. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of I cool. I saw an interview with her. Um she's actually a noted playwright and uh and writer and um comes from a theater background. But I just I love her. I think she's fabulous. And she's got not you know, she's got like Normal hair. 
Yeah, yeah, no, she doesn't have the, the dreads going That'd yet. be a wig. That's a wig. She's wearing a wig. I know. That's a great I, wig, though. That would be a heavy. It is a wig. It's a great wig, and it would probably be very heavy to be wearing, that's for sure. In that heat down there in Georgia when they're filming. Oh, filming. yeah. Oh, that's got to be terrible. She must be sweating bullets. I bet she <laughs> is. I bet she is. Um, but yeah, so, but I, you know, it's like, okay, so I, I really like her. And like I said before, I really like her and Rick together. Yeah, I hope something too. happens between them. I'm, I really ship them. Definitely I ship am. them. Me too. You know, and, and look at the way that Glenn has grown over the seasons, you know? Oh yeah. Glenn. You know, he's, Glenn he's gone from this kind bit. of nerdy, nerdy kid. Yeah. Um, like a nerdy college Ooh. kid kind of person. Yeah. To I kind of picture him, and even though he said, yeah, he, you know, did pizza delivery, I suspect that he did that between classes. So he's either like a graduate student or a, you know. Oh, yeah. Definitely. An impoverished graduate student. Do you think Maggie's going to make it? Do you think Maggie's going to make it now that Beth is gone? I don't oh, think man. She is going to, she's the last one left. I mean, she's I lost, given the, time, given the time frame between yeah. uh, Herschel's death and Beth's death. Remember, the time, yeah. you have to kind of look at the time frames of, because it's, it's, it's you, have to really, you have to really follow it to see the time frames. So, you know, by right. the time between season one and season two, when they get to Herschel's farm, it's really only been like a couple of weeks since the zombie apocalypse. It hasn't been that long. Right. And by the t- so you know there's that and but then time moves on and they you know stretches it out and you've jumped six months ahead at the beginning of season four, but when Herschel dies and then they all go on the run, there's not that much time between there and Beth's death. Right. And now no, Maggie has lost both her dad and her sister, and I mean, there's no I, one I, left. I, I, I don't know what she's going to do, honestly. I mean, yeah, she still has Glenn, but I, I don't know. Is she is she going to make it? I don't know. She may be the next one. I kind of think Glenn would be more interesting, just in the sense of then she'd really be, um, it would really just be completely well, I don't think they, I don't think they would take everything away from her. I don't think they would take everything away from her. I don't think they would do that to any of the characters. I mean, the characters all have their sort of partners. You know, you have Rick, uh-huh. Michonne, and Carl and Judith. That's one little thing. And you have Sasha and Tyrese, brother and sister, because they've taken away Bob and they've taken away Karen, but they have each other still. Right. And they've taken away Beth and Herschel, but Maggie still has Glenn. Right. So... um so you have that. Glenn never had anybody to begin with before he met Maggie. So at right. least not in the context of the show. And then Daryl has Carol, and Carol has Daryl. That rhyme. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, and Beth is gone from his sphere, and they weren't hanging around each other for a long, t- very long time. But I think in that short time, you know, he really, she really represented for him to be this mm-hmm. sort of, small dim light you know he was so yeah. so uh beaten down um that that was just sort of this 
this little light he could reach for. Right. Um, to keep him completely out of darkness. And I think had he met Joe and the Marauders before he had been hanging out with Beth, I think he would have been much more susceptible to just saying, oh, fuck it all. And, right. Oh, you know, and just I might as well just forget. I'm just going to go with these guys. I don't think that right. would have lasted very long, but I think he would have been much more susceptible to going ahead and doing that. Um, yeah, I think so, so. And Carol's too. been, you know, Carol on her own has been, again, she wasn't even on her own for all that long. No. She right? Wasn't. She, was, I mean, she wasn't She was wasn't on her own. She saw the smoke from the fire, and she must have gone back right. to the prison and then followed Tyrese and well, Mika and Lizzie. I would say she was on her own for maybe a week. No, I don't even think that long. No, I don't even think that long. I think just a day or two. A day or two, Because if you you remember in Consumed, you see her Mm -hmm. driving into Atlanta and pulling up at this right law office. Yeah. And going in, and she's, she's kind of settling in there, and she spends the night there. And then right. she sees the smoke, and she immediately goes. Right. That's right. right. And so, so looking right. at the time frame of it, the timeline of the show, um, if you look at it from the perspective of Rick and the people in the prison, so he banishes her, and they right. go back to the prison. And, um, and then the governor attacks. Uh, well, but the governor attacks not gone to get the medicine. And remember, when the governor attacked, they had already come back with the medicine, but Glenn was still ailing. So they were just yeah. beginning to get better. So it's only probably a couple of days since that. So maybe it's been like two or three days since. Well- yeah, it, okay, yeah, but she, okay, yeah, that's right. And then she, and then she, and then, finds, she, yeah, and then, then she hooks she up with really, Tyrese and the girls. Right, right, and then that's probably, I don't know how long, and then they finally make it, well, she finds out about Terminus and then breaks them out. Right, but. and I and I love the nonlinear storytelling. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting. It's funny, as I was watching the season two commentaries today, one of the things mm-hmm. that, Two of the producers said, um, as they as they like were going, they were going through the one of the later episodes in season two, is they felt that after um, Sophia, like you know when when Daryl had withdrawn from the group, right? They, said, they both said, and I think this was um, Darabont, and it was also maybe Scott Gimple, who okay. was at the time a writer producer, um, mm-hmm. said. They really think they had made a mistake in basically pulling Daryl out of the action completely. And and there was an episode he wasn't in at all. And then there was only he was in one yeah. scene. And they really, they they both of them said they really missed Daryl in the back yeah. half of season two. Oh, and I hadn't really yeah, thought right. about that because the scenes that they did have of him were um, were really powerful. 
But they said, yeah, they thought that they had just, they had intended to withdraw him and then have him come back to the group um, toward the end of the season, which they did, but right. they felt that they had done it too much. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's such an integral part of the show. I, I don't know. It, without Daryl, I just can't even, I don't like, I, you know, you got to have him in the show. I mean, you got to. Yes, and and can I just say. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go I ahead. was going to say, you know, rewatching uh, that freaking fight with, you know, Meryl, what an asshole. Meryl. 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 I call him Meryl, but anyway, <laughs> Meryl, because he's such, Meryl. such a, a piece of crap. But anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, he was just so, I mean, he just turned on his brother. I found it very interesting. Daryl was loyal to a fault to his brother. Yeah. I mean, even in the beginning when we meet him and, you know, he's he's like, you know, bouncing off the walls, he's angry, you know, pissed off at everybody and, you know, he goes back. And, but even after all that, you know, and then he takes off with his brother, you know, leaves the group even though Rick tries to get him back. But I'm just saying the fact that Meryl would just completely um, <coughs> go, you know, he didn't care. He, fine, I'll fight my brother to the death. Really a hard scene for me to watch. Yeah, it was I, a know, very hard scene. It was a very horrible. hard scene to watch. And you know, I mean, and he he's he's all the time thinking, "What am I going to do to get right. out of this?" Right. But I'm sure that's not the, the first that, time that they fought like that. And Merle is no, such a much bigger guy. But that's the other thing. He's got that big, you know steel thing that he's using as a hand, you know, where his hand used to be. Well, he didn't that have that. Her. He didn't have that. He didn't have that in that scene. Didn't he? Cause I, no. I, I no, 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 They took it away from him. It, it, they took it out. Oh, they did took it out. Okay. See, and here I am. I, I don't know. All I could but think one of the things, I was so mad. That but see, even with Merle, even with Merle, who I had no reason to like, um, in season four, or season three, sorry, season three, mm-hmm. um, you really see where this guy's coming from. Uh, he's come from, don't forget, he's come from the exact same environment that Daryl has. He, he's come but from Darryl having an abusive heart. father, abusive father and neglectful mother, and relying on nobody but himself. And so he, he's, he's developed in a different way. He's the tough right. guy. He's the, but he never killed anyone right. until he met the governor. And I love that episode with Michonne and and Merle mm-hmm. um, yeah. because you really see there's an opportunity there to really begin to understand that, yeah, this guy's a real tough guy, but he's not to be really brutal. And he, but, right. but Merle's biggest fault, and Daryl says this, um, he he needles people, and he can never. It's like he's like a dog with a bone, yeah. and he just never lets up, and he just needles and needles and needles and needles. Right, and um, that's why Rick had to knock him out. Right. And that right. was Rick's that was Rick's real objection. That was great too. That was yeah. Rick's real objection to having Merle come back because oh, yeah. Merle was gonna was gonna set people against each other. Right. 
just by listen, especially when you know they brought him back and he's at the jail and he's that's what he's doing. He's, he's trying to cause conflict between everybody and goading right. everybody. And I'm just like, right. oh my god, you know. And the thing is, is I um, the fact of the matter is that Daryl would never abandon Meryl, but he. But he, but it, it's not the other way around. You know, he was fine to beat the crap out of his out of his brother. Right. He had to, you know, to the death. He didn't care, and that was the whole thing. Like, I, I just was so, I don't know. Daryl is just he's got a heart, and he's got a he does. Know, he's a good guy, and he's, yes, got, he's had a hard life, but and he's had to do things to survive. But he's not ruthless. Like I felt like Meryl is no. more ruthless in that sense. You know, no. and I whatever. Yeah. I think what's what's really I think what's really like so magnetic about Daryl as a character is that he does have a huge amount of heart and he has a compassionate streak in him. And mm-hmm. he's also, you know, at one of the first episodes he said, Am I the only one that's Zen around here? Right. And and you know, he's he actually is in a lot of the episodes, as time goes on, he is a really kind of Zen character. Um, oh, yeah. He's, you know, Rick can be like, well, that whole scene with Tyrese after, mm-hmm. you know, after Carol killed Karen and, and Tyrese right. is trying to egg on Rick. Right, right. And, 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 and Daryl's trying to get between them and he throws Daryl up against the side of the wall Mm-hmm. And and Rick is going to pull him off, and Daryl is like puts his hand out, saying, "No, no, no, Just, let you know, him, yeah, let him do this." And and all he would have, all Rick would have had to do was just like not do anything, and Daryl right. would have, you know, been reasonable. And because Daryl Daryl is a very reasonable character. Yeah, he is. He's real reasonable, and um, and I think that one of Rick's big mistakes was jumping on uh, and Tyrese and not letting, you know, not letting it just not lie. Rick made a lot of mistakes during that part of the episode, during that part of the season, which is, I think, why he ended up stepping back um, in season four. Um, you know, he, um, first of all, in, in not allowing Tyrese and Sasha and those guys to stay. Right. That was a bad that was a really bad decision because they went yeah, to the governor was. and they ended up there anyway. And right. then um, not allowing, not you know, saying, you know, fine, I don't want Merle here. And if that means I have to do without Daryl too, it's not good, but okay, It'll whatever. Be, okay, whatever, right. And that was right. a really bad mistake. See, I'm 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 worried though because okay, I love you know Rick is sort of back in the groove, you know he's back. Yeah. He's 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 been through the mill emotionally, obviously. I mean, look at everything that his character has kind of, I think, evolved and and done a 180 at this point. But I'm really really fearful that they're going to kill Carl. At, at, um, that would be uh, that would just I think. I don't know that he'd come back from that. I really and truly don't. Wow. I mean, and I don't, you know, that would just be. What do you guys think? Oh, oh, man. I don't know. I thought about that as I was watching. Katie, what do you uh, think? 
What do you guys think? I don't know. It's a possibility. I'm thinking it would be definitely a shocker. You know, we all no. automatically believe that it would be, you know, Rick, Michonne, Daryl, and Carl, I think. No, they can't kill, but wouldn't that be crazy? And, you know, what would that, that would just, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Rick would survive that. I really don't think he wow. would survive it. Wow. Okay. So, guys, if you're listening <laughs> to this on the podcast um, or on the live broadcast, here's a question for you. Do you think, do you think, my theory, who do you think? My theory do you think? Is, okay, so Chrissy's theory is that Carl is going to be um, the, next the next casualty of the original guys. Now, if you don't agree with her, who, <laughs> who, if anybody, will um, die? In the in by the end of season five, do you think anyone will? And and I think that there are probably you know Rick's not they're not going to kill off Rick. I don't know Rick. that could be another. I thought of that too, but I would just be devastated. Rick yeah, and well, Rick cannot be. Yeah, I mean Rick's I'm the sorry. main. Rick is the main character. I mean, he's the main point of view character. Right. Um, Daryl is such an important character. Um, he is Rick's right hand man. And a leader in his own right, and he is the voice of reason in Rick's ear. And right. and I don't and I think you know people will riot. That's what, if Daryl dies, we'll riot. Um, that would be really yeah. unfortunate. That would be really sad. Um, that would and be I, the worst ever. And I don't think they'll kill Carol. I think no, if they killed Carol off, that would do. That would do in. Um, that, that would be the same thing. It would do in Daryl. I mean, he would have no anchor at all. Um, oh, totally. They could. Need- they could kill. They could kill off Glenn. Yeah, I thought about that. That would be horrible. I actually thought that he was a goner man with that crack and crack and slash scenario. I mean, he was oh, next yeah. on that chopping block. I thought, oh my God, are they really going to kill you know, him? I was just holding my breath. <laughs> did you Did you notice Did you notice um, Robin Lord Taylor? Yes. I. It was hilarious to see him with blonde hair, though. I mean, <laughs> can we talk about Gotham for just a minute? Because, I mean, oh sure. my God, it's been so good. I absolutely, I, you know, I love, you know, yes, I I like that the Batman movies and you know I follow the Dark Knight movies basically and and I mean Superman is I absolutely love you know the Superman movies you know I, I like the the hero movies I do the superhero movies but I have to say the Batman the way I love it the way that they're doing it from the origins of and as much as uh, you know I when I thought Ben McKenzie was going to be on it. He, of course, I followed his career since he was on the OC back in, like, you know, 14, 15 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And then he was in Southland, which was another – it was a really great show. It got canceled, though. Um, and so I actually really, um, really am liking Gotham. Uh, and I would say as much as Jada Pinkett Smith, who is brilliant as Fish, uh, who is – she's trying to take over Falcone's territory, basically, and she's – she she is fantastic. Robin Lord Taylor is phenomenal as the Penguin. He is the breakout 
star, I think, of that series and of 2014. I, I, if this guy doesn't get an Emmy, I don't know. Then there's something wrong with the universe. He is, he is incredible the way that he plays this character, and it's like, you know, you want to hate him. But he's such a weasel, and he gets away with stuff. And the way that he manipulates everybody, uh, it's mm-hmm. just, it has been a joy to watch, you know. And it, it came back last night, of course. And um, that episode wasn't one of my, you know, it was kind of mediocre compared to a lot of the other ones, but they're setting up a lot of things. But I'm telling you, it and, and, and I like that we're seeing Enigma, <laughs> we're seeing the, the quote, Riddler, uh, who is mm-hmm. right now? He's a forensic. He's a forensic scientist. You know, at working at the Gotham Police Gotham Police Department, and you know he's so wacky because he's fantastic too. Oh, the whole entire cast it, has been great. The guy that played um, Angel from he's from Dexter. The guy that played um, Angel. Oh, what the heck's his name? He plays he plays Maroney, the other mob. Uh, influence in there, and I like that they're starting with um, they're starting with Bruce Wayne. You know, they started the episode. You know, obviously the pilot started with him as you know the parents getting killed. But I like that they that they started from that, and they didn't like time jump or anything. So we're seeing him develop, and he, you know he's very smart for his age, and he's testing himself and trying to learn not to be fear full of things, mm-hmm. and um, and and Cat, the the teenager, we're seeing the future Catwoman. She's a teenager, Selena. Right. And, right. You know, and I and I'm loving <clears throat> it right too. And but I love what they're doing, and they're developing each character. You know, they're developing the backgrounds for each of these characters and where they're coming from, and then you know how they're how it's just. It's been incredible to watch. I, you know, I've just been enjoying it a lot. I mean, I know, I think I've posted my first article. I finally am like, I saw the preview of the episode. I'm like, oh, I got to write about this show because it's so good. Um, anyway, I'm enjoying it. Um, I don't good. know if you've watched it at all. Um, you know what? It? I watch it. It's not, it's not must-see TV for me. So I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. But I'm not not watching it, like, every single week. I, Monday nights for me are crazy, and I have so much stuff on my DVR of stuff that <laughs> I must watch. So, yeah, that's like, well, Mondays are crazy anyway. I mean, for me, I'm a Fox, I'm, like, camped at Fox. You know, it's Gotham and then Sleepy Hollow, which, by the way, for those that have been complaining, last night's episode was incredible. If they... I felt like I was, you know, they've turned the show to what it was in season one, and they're dealing, you know, they they did actually address some of these issues that we, you know, fans have been complaining about. It was fantastic. They introduced Orion. Uh, Max Brown from the Tudors is playing the Rebel Angel Orion, and he, of oh. course, I mean, I knew when I saw he was in it, he he's going to play Orion. He's fabulous. The entr- you know, they have this whole entrance, you know, it comes in, so, you know, the whole angel wings and everything comes into this, you know, the scene and kills these demons. And, you know, it uh, turns out he's a bad, he's a rebel, you know, he was released from purgatory. And it, the whole episode was fantastic. And they are, you know, kind of pro- progressing Ichabod Crane's character, you know, I 
a lot of people have a lot of issues with Katrina, the wife and all this, and they are mm-hmm. dealing with it. And they're doing it right. And they're bringing the whole show, like we said, like this, the first part of the season, they kind of got away from the whole <laughs> biblical. The whole, the first season, it's all about the biblical apocalypse. That's what it was supposed to be about in the four mm-hmm. parts of And then this part, the first part of the season, they kind of got away from that and but boy, they came back with a vengeance, and it was. I watched it four times since last night. So. Wow. <laughs> yes, I'm working on my review of it. But it was well, amazing. It one was of the amazing. things I'm really excited about, and I'm going to kind of close with this a little bit, and I haven't seen it yet because ABC never posted a screener. But mm-hmm. Agent Carter, um, which is oh, a limited yeah. series. Um, I interviewed oh, the nice. showrunners and some of the actors when we were at Comic Con. Uh-huh. And um, I'm really excited. I love the idea of a period piece. One of the things, and I've seen parts of it because um, they have posted parts of the episode for the press, um, and it's on as we speak. That's a two-hour. Yes, it is. Pre- it's a two-hour premiere tonight. Um, and one of the things I'm really excited about is what's unique for network TV is you have this period piece. It's set in the late 1940s, post-World War II. But one of the things that's interesting is it doesn't look old. It doesn't look like it's set, you know, in in a period. It's it's very very sharp and very... um, it's, it's, It's the parts of it that I've seen have been really, really good. I'm really intrigued. And and um, James Darcy, um, I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see, uh, who's the co-star. And, and of course, there's all yeah. the you know, interconnection between um, Agent Carter and the whole Captain America thing, which I love right. Winter Soldier, but not so much the first one, and kind of the precursors to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's kind of a nice little uh, world-building thing that we're going to see this little segment of over, you know, six weeks. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I'm anxious to see it as well. Um, They have, actually, I was looking, they've got, I I get entertainment weekly, and they've got a a whole spread in here about um, special uh, agent. um, Anyway, they have, (laughs) oh, my God, I'm, like, uh, trying to find it really quick, but I can't. Anyway, they have a whole spread in here about it, and I think that it's going to be, it's going to be kind of nice. And can I just say, I mean, I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I'm actually, I, I actually like it. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I have a thing with my daughter. My daughter said um, she'll watch um, Walking Dead if I, write, if I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, so, so what do you think of it? Um, I, I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. And and I've, yeah. you know what, I've, um, I have, uh, I've interviewed those guys too, so I'll, maybe I'll have an opportunity to use those interviews more. Um, Speaking of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess Clark Gregg is going to be here for Emerald City Comic Con. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking at that. I was trying to see if there's any Walking Dead people. They haven't listed everybody, though. I mean, so far I don't see any. Stan Lee is going to be a Charisma Carpenter from uh, Buffy and Angel. She's going to be here. And Karen Allen, who played, uh, you know, Indiana Jones. Hello. He, she was in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and she was in um, the newer Indiana Jones movie, um, you know, with Harrison Ford. She mm-hmm. played, um, anyway, she's going to be here. I think they're going to do a whole Star Wars thing. Yeah, you should mention your Star Wars thing, because, boy, I'm so excited about about 
the new movies. I can't wait. I I did get to see the uh, the the trailer in the theater, and it was like it's going to be epic. Well, we're going to be more than a minute, but. <laughs> Um, so I will just say this about um, what's coming to Blog Critics. We're going to be doing some really cool stuff um, with the new Star Wars game and a Star Wars in general. So kind of keep your eyes open for that because I can't really say anything more about that. Um, you'll just all have to wait. So yeah. come and visit us at blogcritics.org and you can read all about our not only our TV coverage, we cover movies and we cover books and we cover music um, and culture, theater, um, pop culture. We cover it all really, really in games, of course, video games and regular games, board games. Um, we really cover everything we cover really well. And, you know, we have a limited, we don't cover everything, but the stuff that we cover, we tend to cover pretty thoroughly. So, um you know, we're we're well, yeah. coming Brandon Roof is going to be here. Brandon Roof, he played Superman in Superman Returns. He's mm. going to be here. He's he's cool. very handsome. I have to say, yummy. <laughs> anyway. Are you going to Emerald City Comic Con? Um, I'm tr- I'm going to try. You know, I didn't get. I, actually, I don't know why, but they have their press thing. They have to have it in by the 19th of December, and I totally spaced. I didn't even get it in, uh. but I still might go and just. Um, and just you know, go. I might. That'd be fun. It, it, you know, last year they did have. I think Norman was here, and I think. Um, yeah. It, no, it was two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Anyway, but uh, so I don't know. I'm I'm hoping I'm waiting because if they have some Star Wars people come and and Walking Dead people, then I'll just go and you know wait in line. Sounds good. Well, we are out yeah. of time. We are out of time. Yes. So I want to I thank you, Chrissy. Um, come on sure. over to Blog Critics. Follow us at Blog Critics, like our Facebook page, and follow Chrissy at, at Sleepy Addicts, and follow me yeah. at B underscore Barnett on Twitter. Yep. So we will see you guys That's next week. All right. All right. Feel bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> bye. Thanks. Bye.